We are continuing our James series. Uh, we've been in James for about two years now. And so, does it seem like it? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, I think, was, are we on the sixth week, fifth week, sixth week, something like that? We're halfway or over past halfway through. Um, you never thought you could preach so much out of a book that's only got five chapters in it. Um, but we, we are preaching through James. And uh, how many of you found it very encouraging? It's been very, how many of you found it very challenging? Um, it's been very challenging talking about racism. We talked about the tongue. Pastor Jamie talked about the tongue last week. We've talked about trials and tribulations. We've talked about uh, listening and doing. We talked about a bunch of different things, dynamic faith and what that looks like. Just share a bunch of different stuff. If you, if you haven't, if you weren't here for any of those messages, jump online at OSC Connect. Go listen to some of those. Really, Hopefully they would encourage you. We're trying to make them super practical because Pastor James is very super practical. He's a super practical type of guy. And uh, if you know anything about the book of of James. James is Jesus' half-brother. And so if there's anybody that knows a lot about Jesus, it's got to be your brother. Your brother knows a lot. Anybody, if you want to find dirt on me, go ask my brother. My brother's got all the scoop on me. And so James has all the scoop on Jesus. And uh, the crazy thing about James, if you don't know this, is that James didn't believe that Jesus was God until Jesus rose again from the grave. And he's like, oh, he is what he says he is. Okay. I would have thought being perfect would have given it away. How many of you ever, ever said, how many of you are, how many have brothers or sisters? Uh, raise your hands. How many of you, your brothers or sisters were like the goody two-shoe and you're the one that always got in trouble, the one that got blamed for? I'm sorry. See, I was the older child. I was the oldest. I'm the eldest in our, in our so I had two younger siblings. They always got blamed for everything. Um, that's just, we're, we're good like that. And so uh, James, though, on the other hand, couldn't do that. How crazy would it be to, to be Jesus' brother? Like, you know, it's always your fault. It's never Jesus' fault. It's always your fault. And so uh, that's maybe James is just a little resentful. I don't know. But anyways, he wrote a book. It's only five chapters. I really like James because he writes short. Um, but it's only five chapters. And we are in chapter 3, looking in verse 13 through 18 today. And we're talking about wisdom from above. Um, if you got notes, you can kind of follow along. We're going to go through a, a number of scriptures and we're going to share a bunch of just kind of different points. And man, my, my, my prayer today is that this, this is not really one of those just like very super warm feeling kind of messages. It's going to be very kind of challenging at times. Um, and just kind of buckle your seatbelt just to kind of know, um, uh, it's, it's not going to be just a real dynamic message we're, it's, it's about wisdom and, and what that looks like in our lives. And so we're going to try to make it really practical because that's what wisdom is, but let's start Start reading together, and uh, if you want to look on the screens, if you didn't, you bring your Bible. We got that provided for you, but James chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 13, and it says this, if you are wise in understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the what? What does it say? Okay, you might want to underline that. With humility that comes from what? What does it come from? comes from wisdom. If you are wise, understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. I love the beginning of this verse because it starts off with not a certainty, but kind of an uncertainty. If you are wise, meaning that you may not be. If you are wise, he starts out kind of with a very challenging remark. Now, I'll, I want to remind you of something. If you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks, probably Pastor Jamie shared this with you. If you haven't, then I'm going to share it to you. 
James is writing to Christians, okay? He's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's not talking to people that are far from God. He's talking to people that are in the church. That would be as if Pastor Jamie went and lived in another city and wrote a letter to you guys as the church. This is what James's letter is to a bunch of churches. And so he's telling them, if you are wise in understanding God's way, prove it with an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So here's the question. I actually, I posted it on my Facebook yesterday, kind of prepping for this. And I was interested to see what kind of responses I would get. And the question that I asked yesterday on Facebook as I was preparing for this message was, who's the wisest person you know? And what made them wise? Think about this for a minute. We're not going to do kind of a, a congregational answer here. But think about who's the wisest person you know? Could have been a a father, a grandfather, could have been somebody, you know, a, a, a teacher, could have been somebody. But what was it that made them wise? Let me give you some answers that I got actually on Facebook yesterday. A couple of people said that uh, their, their, their fathers were. And they said the reason that they were wise, one person said the reason they were wise was because they were slow to speak. And when they spoke, what they said, people listened to it. Any of y'all have had person, people like that? They don't speak a lot, but when they do speak... They speak with some weight. Um, another person said that, um, that this was their father-in-law because they weren't reactive. They were always very slow to even getting angry. They, they didn't react to things quickly. Another one said that it was their, uh, their mother. They said because life wasn't always about money. It was more about people. And for them, they thought this person was wise because they realized that, that uh, life is not about money and things and possessions. It's about people. Can I get an amen on that one? Another one said that, this, that, that it was a relative of theirs because they could fix anything. They could fix broken faucets and they could fix broken hearts. They had a person that could fix anything. How many of you know a MacGyver like that can fix anything? Um, just a person that could fix anything, and they thought, hey, they were really wise. My mom also actually chimed in on it because that's what moms do and um, because they're wise. And uh, she said that her grandfather was the wisest person she knew, and that was because he was very wise with things. And one of the things that she remembered him saying was, never loan out money you're not able to lose. That's pretty wise, huh? Never loan out money you're not able to lose. Because when you loan out money, you never know if you're going to get it back. So never loan out money. That's a, that's a pretty wise, pretty wise statement. Now, most of the time, though, when we think of wisdom, we think of somebody that's super smart. We think of somebody who knows a lot. Maybe like a MacGyver that just knows a lot of stuff, knows how to do a lot of stuff. Um, just, just is very, maybe well-educated, maybe has a college degree, um, whatever it is. But a lot of times when we think of wisdom, we, we think of knowledge, but I'll, I want to walk you through how they're different. They're not the same because here's the deal. You can have knowledge and not have wisdom and you can have wisdom, but you have to have knowledge. So you can have knowledge, but not be wise. How many know, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many know somebody who's very smart, but not too wise? But here's the deal. You can't be wise and not have knowledge, though. 
Because wisdom and knowledge work hand in hand, but they're different. Let me give you some things here. If you want to write these things down, you can. I'm going to kind of go through them a little quick. But uh, I just want to, I want to show you the comparison between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge isn't bad. Let me just say this. Knowledge is not bad. You go and get, get an education, get it. Okay, get what you can get. It's not bad at all. I just want to say it's not enough. Okay, it's not enough. You can have knowledge and not be wise. Because knowledge is about the head where wisdom is about the heart. Let me give you a couple, couple comparisons here. Knowledge is knowing truth. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Knowledge is theoretical where wisdom is practical. Knowledge fills your mind where wisdom guides your life. Knowledge is truthful. Wisdom is useful. Knowledge provides information where wisdom provides transformation. Knowledge tells you what to believe and wisdom tells you how to behave. If you're trying to write all these things down, I'll post them tonight on my Facebook for you. Okay, don't worry. We'll we'll walk through these for you. Don't worry about it. But knowledge tells you what to believe. Wisdom tells you how to behave. You can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge. So let's take some notes here. Okay, if you if you got your notes, wisdom is number one, practical. It's very practical. Come on, let's be honest. It's no good reading a book on nutrition and food and health if you're not going to eat healthy. Right? Right? Okay. It's no good to go read a book on financial planning and wisdom and how to, how to do savings and mutual funds and, and how to be a wise spender and how to be a wise saver. It's no good reading and studying and researching all that if you're not going to make a budget. Okay? That's pretty stupid, isn't it? I mean, for you to go and spend all the time learning all this stuff, but to not actually do any of it, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge We'll tell you something. Wisdom shows you how you're supposed to learn. Wisdom shows you, if you go and you actually look in James chapter 1, we kind of skimmed over it because we knew we were going to be preaching this message. But James chapter 1 talks a lot about wisdom, actually. And it talks about it in relations to James 1, 2, 3, and 4, where it talks about trials and suffering. And after, when it comes out of trials and suffering, it says, if you need wisdom, ask God. Meaning, when you go through a trial, guess what you're going to need? Wisdom. You're going to need wisdom. So a wisdom helps you even to be able to navigate through a trial and a suffering and a hardship. It works with you through that. It shows you how to be more like Jesus. Wisdom helps you collect information and then helps you to begin to develop a plan on how you're going to obey Jesus in this. So wisdom for you in this message would be, I'm going to collect all this information that Pastor Josh is going to give you and all the stuff that we're going to take notes on. But then the wisdom part of it is then how am I going to actually apply this to my life? The wisdom side of it is the application, the transformation side of it. Y'all see with me? There's a difference between knowledge and there's a difference between wisdom. So wisdom is very practical. Number two, wisdom is shown by your life. James chapter three, verse 13 says... You prove wisdom by living an honorable life and doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. It comes from wisdom. See, many people have come to believe that being a Christian is something that you just have to believe. But it's not just something you believe, it's something you live. Amen? God's word takes this whole thing to a new level by saying that true wisdom is shown by good life and good deeds. Good life 
and good deeds. So that is where we come and we say information is not enough. A Bible study is not enough. All those are great. All those are good. A life group where you sit down and learn about something is great, but it's not enough because wisdom works with the information to help you begin to live it out and ultimately bring transformation in your life. If you're stuck, if you don't know why you are where you are, whether it's financially or relationally or spiritually or um, whatever, in whatever arena of your life, if you're stuck, I'm going to tell you why. Sometimes it's usually because you're not getting the good information. Sometimes it's because you have so much information, you have no wisdom on how to actually lay it out in your life to make it application. Because most of the time when I counsel people, it's not that they don't know what to do. It's usually they don't know how to do it. So it's not that, oh, I didn't know that that was wrong and I shouldn't be doing this. It's always like, yeah, I know I need to do a budget. Okay, so what? Why are you in debt? Oh, because I haven't done anything with it. I just know I should be doing it. And so I want to help you, hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit today, to teach you how to have wisdom in your life, how to gain wisdom in your life, because more than anything, we want wisdom. Let's go to verse 14 and let's look at it, because he's going to talk about two different types of wisdom that are in our lives. First one is this. Let's look in verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous... Bitterly jealous. And then there is selfish ambition. Two things. Bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. Notice where they reside. Where do they reside? And where? In your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and with lying. Now, remember, he's talking to Christians here. And so Pastor James is very upset. He's very upset. And you know what he's upset with? If you remember last week, he was talking to, to people about the tongue. And he was talking to teachers on the front end of it. If you want to teach, you better be careful if you're going to be a teacher because there's a lot of responsibility that comes with teaching. Now, what he's upset about with right here is because guys are going around teaching about Jesus with a bunch of information and knowledge, but no wisdom. And so they're living lies. And so he says it right here. Guys, he calls them to the carpet. He says, guys, you're filled with bitter jealousy. We're talking about Christian guy, Christian people here. He's not talking about people far from God. So that means all of us can deal with this. You've got bitter jealousy and you've got selfish ambitions in your heart. You teach for yourself. You don't teach to point people to Jesus. You don't, you don't lead to point people to Jesus. You don't try to make much of Jesus. You try making much of yourself. Yourself. He says, don't cover up the truth with boasting and with lying. Look at verse 15 now. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and... Unspiritual and demonic. Underline those three things. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Your version may say it a little differently, but it's going to have those three things. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever there is, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find, notice what you're going to find. You're going to find disorder, and you're going to find what? Evil of every kind. Now notice, yet again, we said, Knowledge is in the head. Wisdom is in the heart. Okay, so if there's anything I want you to understand today, listen. Knowledge comes from the head. Wisdom comes from the heart. Wisdom helps you with the, with the um, shaping of your heart, uh, with the disposition of your heart, and also with the deeds of your hands. So wisdom is going to help with your heart, 
transforming your heart, making it more like Jesus, but it's also going to flesh out in your hands and then your deeds and how you do things. Information is just going to be stuck in your head. It's going to be constantly be stuck in your head. And so he's dealing with people here that don't have a head issue. They have a heart issue. Notice jealousy and selfish ambition and boasting and lying and disorder and evil things. And I want to pause right here and I want you to think about your life and I want you to particularly think about your relationships because I believe your wisdom shows itself most in relationships. All the people that I actually asked on Facebook and that commented back to me, most of them shared that they thought that the people in their life that were the most wise were people who had a lot of wisdom when it came to relationships. Slow to speak. Not quick to getting angry, didn't hold offenses, valued people over money and things. Okay, so a lot of their wisdom could deal with broken hearts was about relationships. How many know where most of your drama, where most of your troubles comes from is where? Relationships. You're sitting by someone who you've probably had struggles with. Okay, maybe you're currently still having struggles with. I don't know. Don't elbow them. But we all have relational struggles. Have you been married more than six days? Okay. It's all peaches and cream, isn't it? All right. I remember when we sat down with marriage counseling with uh, a, a, a counselor for pre, our premarital counseling. Lindsay and I sat there and the guy says, when y'all fight, how do you deal with your fighting? And we looked at him and said, fight <laughs> and she was like we don't fight and, and he looked at us and he said just wait <laughs> and then we got married and uh we just heavily d- discussed things and then we had children and then we fought <laughs> especially when you have three <clears throat> but i need wisdom on how to love my wife as christ loved the church I need wisdom on how to deal with relational tensions. I need wisdom on how to deal with a mother-in-law. I need wisdom. Come on. I need wisdom on how to deal with, come on, you need this. I need wisdom on how to deal with friendships. I need wisdom on, on, on they want, they want uh, uh, holidays over here and this family wants holidays over here. Come on, how many need wisdom when it comes just to the holidays? I need wisdom. It's relationships. It's relational drama. It's just stuff that goes on. And we need wisdom. Knowledge isn't going to help you there. And it's a head, uh, a heart issue more than it is a head issue. And Jesus is going to talk, or actually Pastor James is going to talk about two different types of, of wisdom. Earthly wisdom and then godly wisdom. Two different types that we're looking at here. <clears throat> and more and more today, people, even especially Christians, and it's the saddest thing, are embracing earthly wisdom. If you go to any Books a million, Barnes and Nobles, any bookstore, you're going to see an area, a category within that bookstore that is overwhelmingly larger than any other category, and that is self-help. Self-help. Self-help will be Oprah and Dr. Phil and a lot of other people, and sad to say, most Christian books are self-help where it talks about seven keys to this and six ways to do this and three ways to do this and five ways to do this and a way to live a better life than this. And all of that is earthly wisdom on how to do things. Now, I'm not saying you can't gain any knowledge from earthly wisdom because there are some good things there, but it's yet again, it's not enough. It's not enough at all. The problem comes, though, when we seek earthly wisdom more than godly wisdom. That's where the problem happens. 
when we seek earthly wisdom more than the godly wisdom. It's when we go, God, I got this. I got this. If you go and you look in James chapter 1, and actually it said it over here in James uh, 3.13, where it talked about that wisdom comes from humility. So for all of, those, all of you that are in here that are like me at times, and you go, God, I got this, we need to pray two prayers. First, we need to pray for humility, and secondly, we need to pray for wisdom. Because here's the deal, you can't receive wisdom when you're proud. When you think you got it going on, you don't need God, you don't need people, you don't need anything, nobody can tell you anything because you are your own man, you're your own woman, you got your own things. Have you ever dealt with people like that? You can't tell them anything. They're unteachable because they're proud. And so humility comes first, but we're so ascribing, we're, we're more worried about what Oprah says about how to deal with relationships than what the Bible says about how to deal with relationships. Okay, so we, we are consumed with earthly wisdom. You've got to be really careful with it because he's going to actually define earthly wisdom into three things. Let's, let's, let's take some notes here. The first thing of earthly wisdom is that it's worldly. It's worldly. Come on, how many of you can't watch the news without it being filled with negativity and fear? Constantly being afraid. One of the things that Lindsay and I, we used to have direct TV for the first nine years of our marriage. And... Um, and we don't have it anymore, but when we did, one of the things that I just told Lindsay was, listen, you go through all the 650 channels we got on this thing, and whatever channels in here that you feel like we shouldn't be watching or that our boys shouldn't be watching, and I gave a couple that I knew that I shouldn't watch, I said, you just block them all. And she went and she put a passcode on all of them, and I don't even know what, I still don't know what it was to this day, and she blocked off all, a bunch of channels. And she just went in and blocked them all out because I knew the influence of those channels on my soul and my heart, my boys, and even on her was going to be detrimental to our family. And so I'm going to tell you right now, earthly wisdom and earthly influence can radically impact your walk with the Lord. And, and I'm going to give you a warning as one of your pastors that you need to be careful how much you're letting in and you need to guard your heart and your mind and your eyes and your ears because if you're around it long enough, you will begin to believe it. I'm telling you, you will begin to believe what the news says. You'll begin to believe what earthly wisdom says on how to deal with things and how to deal with your relationship and how to deal with your man. Listen, you don't, you can go to the Bible to deal with your man. Don't go to anybody else. Okay. Especially most of the talk shows. Don't. Most of those people have been divorced four times and you're going to ask them how to deal with your relationship. It's earthly wisdom. It's worldly. It's worldly. It's a totally different system. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, so where does this leave the philosophers? Where does this leave the scholars? Where does this leave the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look what? Foolish. Come on, how many know when you're, when you're making an attempt to love Jesus and do what the Bible says, how many know you oftentimes look foolish? You give how much money away? Come on, anybody ever had that? You give what? You serve what? You do what? You, you, you stay at home with your wife instead of going out with the boys? You, you, what? It seems foolish to them, but the truth is that God's ways is not the foolish ways. Their ways are the foolish ways. And you will have a marriage that will thrive and will not look foolish in the long haul. And so we have to understand that earthly wisdom is, number one, it's worldly. Number two, it's sensual. 
part of the wisdom of this age is, is they subscribe to a philosophy that says, if it feels good, do it. I mean, you know, you can really trust your feelings, right? Here's the deal. Let me, let me show you how this works. <clears throat> the Bible has designed a worldview and a way for us to process things that goes this way. It goes, think, feel, act. If you were to, if you were to draw a concentric circle, so a circle and then a bigger circle and then a bigger circle, at the center of that circle would be think, think, your mind, what you think about. Outside of that would be feel, it would be your heart and how you feel, your emotions. And then outside of that would be do or your actions, or your hands, okay? That's how Jesus designed things. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The inner circle. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Well, how are you going to be conformed to this world? When you go into worldly thinking, This sensual thinking, if it feels good, do it. So here's how the enemy does it. Let me show you how the enemy, because I want you to be very keen on how the enemy is going to play you. He flips the script. This is how he flips the script. So God says, think, feel, do, think about it, feel it, do it. Enemy flips the script and says, feel, do, think. That's how the enemy does. The enemy takes feel, puts it in the middle, then does do, and then does think. So what we do is we go, oh, this feels good. I should probably do it. So we do it, and then we think, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? We feel a certain way. Oh, man, I, I, I don't feel like I should be doing this. I, I don't feel like that's good for me. So we don't do it, and then we think, oh, man, I probably should have been doing that. Because so much of our lives is based off of how we feel. But how do you know if you live your life based off your feelings? You're riding a roller coaster that will make you throw up. This is a roller coaster that you do not want to be on. It is crazy. It's all over the map. One day you're happy. The next day you're depressed. The next day you're sad. The next day you're doing good. The next day you're doing terrible. Feelings are all over the map. And that's why we say definitely don't judge your marriage based off of feelings. Don't judge any relationship based off of feelings because your feelings will fail you. But God's word is consistent. God's, the way you think is consistent. And so if we can change the way we think, we can change the way we feel. If we can change the way we feel, we'll change our actions. But the enemy wants you just to feel, 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 however you're feeling. Just go do whatever you're feeling. If it feels good, go do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. The problem is that's not how scripture says. Scripture starts with the mind first and then it works itself in the actions. Whereas the enemy wants you to feel it, go into actions, and then come back and think about it. Well, by the time you come back and think about it, guess what? There's a whole bunch of condemnation sitting there waiting for you. Right? And so it's sensual, worldly Wisdom is sensual. I don't live by my feelings. I live by principles. I live by principles. How do you know you got to do this with money? You can't live by your feelings like, oh, I just want it. That's, that's why all those people who are in debt just wanted it. I tell people all the time, listen, if it's, if it's a certain amount of money, you should just step away and pray about it. Just pray about it. And if you come back and still feel like you're good with it, okay. But you need to, you need to step, step away for some times because the feelings of the emotional of it will get us to go and do things that we don't need to do. How many know that, that your life before Jesus was made up by you living off of your feelings? That was our life before Jesus. It was all feelings based. Let me prove it to you. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, once we too were foolish and disobedient. 
Talking about all of us in here. We're all in this room together. Once we were all foolish and disobedient. We were what? What's that word? We were misled. And became slaves to many what? Many lusts and pleasures. What does lust and pleasure go after? Your feelings. Lust and pleasure is it feels good. It feels good. Watch it. It says this. You were misled by your lust, by your feelings. You became slaves by your feelings. And our lives were full of evil and envy. We hated each other. But, thank God for buts. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. God comes into the middle of our feelings and says, this isn't how I called you to live. This is how I've called you to live. You need to think, feel, and do. Don't live by feelings. Live by principles, okay? Number three, it's demonic. Now, that's pretty bold. I guess you could say, am I saying that the way you're living is demonic? And my answer is, yes. Yes. See, because here's the idea. The same me first selfish spirit that's on us at times is the same me first selfish spirit that was on Lucifer that kicked him out of heaven. And that's demonic. Demonic is really anything that puts yourself elevated over other people. Isn't that what Satan just wants you to do? Just think about yourself more than other people and you're good. And so it's demonic in the wisdom that it is because it elevates self over others. This is good wisdom for me. Not so much for you. It profits me. Not so much for you. Jesus comes, flips the script yet again. Jesus flips the script and says, it's not about you. It's about him. It's not about you. It's about others. And so you can see how this is just a totally different worldview. The biblical worldview and the worldly worldview are just two different worldviews. One worldview is do whatever you can, scratch, climb, take people out, do whatever you got to do for you to elevate yourself and be more. Where Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, if you want to be more, you got to be less. If you want to be the best, you got to be the last. If you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to be the leader, you need to be the servant. Okay? Jesus just flips the script all over. And so just don't be surprised that biblical wisdom is just the total opposite of what you think you should be doing. Usually the way you can define if what you're doing is what God wants you to do is, is it the opposite of what you want to do? That's how you know if it's biblical probably, usually. Not all the time, but usually. Like, oh, I don't really want to do this. The Bible says I should do this. I don't want to do it. This is what I want to do. Okay, that's probably biblical wisdom. What I want to do is probably demonic wisdom. All right? All right. I, I told you, I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens, but I'm just, I'm just wanting you to see the two differences here. And, and, and I want you to identify what that is in your own life. And if you've bought into the lie of what the enemy's wanting to, to say, look at this in John eight forty four. This is in the amplified version <clears throat> talking about Lucifer. It says you are speaking of Lucifer. You are of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the lusts and gratify the desires of your father. This is actually speaking of people talking about the devil. Watch this. You practice the lust, which is the feelings and the emotions, and you gratify the desires, the feelings, the emotions of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he doesn't stand for truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a falsehood, He speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies, and of all that is false. So let's 
let's get into some good stuff. What is godly wisdom? Guys, can y'all throw up uh, James 3, <clears throat> starting in verse 17? And I want to read this together because now he's going to, he talks about what, what worldly wisdom is. And now he's going to kind of flip it and go, okay, this is what, this is Jesus's wisdom. Come on, how many want Jesus' wisdom? We want the wisdom Jesus had. This is the wisdom that Jesus had. It says, first off, understand this, the, but the wisdom from above. Notice where it comes from. From above, not from deep inside. You can't conjure this up. You can't work this out. You can't make this happen. This is wisdom from above. It is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving. It is gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds, and it shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. Verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's go back to verse 17. Let's break some of these down a little bit. And I'm going to share a couple of things. First off is godly wisdom. If you're taking notes, it springs up from godly principles. Godly wisdom springs up from godly principles. First John three, three says all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. One of the first things that it talks about in John, uh, I mean, in James three seventeen, it talks about that it's pure. It's pure. Now, it's not just specifically speaking of purity in holiness terms, which that is a great thing. And it's not speaking of perfection. Okay. So when we think of pure, oftentimes we think of perfection. It's perfect. But Jesus isn't technically saying that you have to be perfect because he knows you're not going to be perfect, but he wants you to be pure because purity is so much more than just perfection. It's about integrity and it's about the motives of our heart. See, because purity is when when we talk about somebody that's pure, we talk about somebody whose motives are pure. Their, their integrity and their, their, their motivation behind what they do is pure. Their, their, their desire to serve and to do things is out of a pure motive, not for selfish gain, but purity in heart. It's to pure. It's, uh, it's to be a person who walks with integrity. Look at Proverbs ten nine. It says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. So when we be Christian men in the business world should be the most, uh, they should have the most character when it comes to, to business dealings. We deal with integrity. We deal with character. We deal in truth. We don't, we don't try to do the, the car salesman thing and try to make something look better than it is. And then they, they drive it off the lot and the door falls off and like, oops, by the way, sorry. Okay. We, we tell people the way that it is and we speak honorably. I love my, the story of my grandfather. My, my mom was saying that was one of her people that was wise. I knew my grandfather for 12 years. He died of a massive heart attack in a bank bathroom when I was 12. And uh, one of the things that I knew about my grandfather, though, is that on all of his business cards, he had Matthew 633. If you know what Matthew 633 says, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I'm not saying by any means you need to go put a scripture verse on your business card, but that's just the type of man that my grandfather was. He did everything ethically. He did everything with pure motives. He did everything to bless people. He was constantly looking to bless people, help people, and even in business. And even in business, he was ran over a lot of times. 
Um, my, my, my grandfather's business could have been a multi, multi million dollar business, but because he did things with, uh, character, he got ran over and, um, part of his business was sold out from underneath him. And, um, it just, just was a bad deal. Um, but he always did things with high integrity, high integrity to the point that when he died and my grandmother went to go sell his business, um, my aunt and my grandmother were doing all the business dealings with these other corporations. And they would constantly, they constantly were coming here and telling them how much they appreciated how he dealt with business because he was just a man of character. If he said it and he shook a hand, that's what it was. I mean, remember when a handshake was all you needed. You didn't have to do all this contract stuff. A man's word is a man's word. And for us as Christian men, a man's word should be a man's word. What we say is what we do. We need to be pure in motive. Number two is this. Godly wisdom, not only does it spring up with God, uh, from godly principles, but it also springs up, it acts with godly motives. <clears throat> it acts with godly motives. <clears throat> Let's read this verse. Philippians chapter 2. I'll have them put it on the screen and we can kind of read this together. But this is, a, this, is, this is Jesus right here. Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy. Watch this. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. And he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in what? Here's our word again. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same, what is it again? What is it? Mindset as Christ. What's at the center of our core? What you think. Y'all seeing this? We can do a whole series on just your thought process, but we're not. Do have the same mindset as Christ. Well, what is the same mindset of Christ? Humility, thinking of others, putting others first, putting others before ourselves. <clears throat> it acts with godly motives. Now look back in James chapter 3, in verse 17 and 18. He's going to begin to break out a recipe of what this looks like. What does this look like? What are all the recipes in godly wisdom? He's going to give a bunch of just kind of fruits of godly wisdom. This is what he's going to say if you're taking notes. Peace loving. <clears throat> peace loving. Peace loving. If you're the person who knows how to push others' buttons, you got to stop. There's a story uh, I heard of a guy who knew how to push his wife's buttons. And one day they're driving by a farm with pigs and goats and cows. And he asks his wife, relatives of yours? And uh, she responds, yes, in-laws. That's not peace-loving, just, just so you know. Uh, but that is a good comeback, though. That's really good. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> if your husband ever does it, actually, you just, you just say, pull over the car, and you get out, and then I'll drive. Um, but one of the qualities of wisdom is, is peace-loving. How many just love some peace? I don't, I don't know anybody who's like, peace-hating. <laughs> peace-hating. Peace-loving. Love peace. Love peace. Mama's happy. Everybody's happy. Kids happy. Everybody's happy. 
want peace in the house. I want to be a peace-loving people. But I can tell you sometimes, and I, you know what, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the pro at this. I just know where certain buttons are, and you just like to get close. I don't know if that's a gift that us, us husbands usually have, especially with our children and probably even with our wives. Uh, my wife, you know, she just, like, you know. You know you're not supposed to be doing that. You know I get mad at this. And yet I still ask questions. And she's like, I feel like I'm in an interrogation room. I'm like, I just want to know. You know, I'm just trying. But that's just how I am. And I, and I got to realize that. And a lot of times it ends up in repentant times and asking forgiveness and a lot of that that I do on my end towards my wife because I'm, I'm not very peace loving. And uh, God is working with me through that. Another one is considerate. Um, someone who doesn't look out for his own interest, but for the interest of others. Another one is submissive, submissive, meaning willing to yield to others. Here's the thing. When we, when we look at scripture, most of us always, when we think of the word submit, we think of what? We think of what? Wife. We think of a wife. Because that's what's preached about all the time, right? If you actually go and you read the scripture, it says to submit to everyone and it's talking to everyone before that talks to the men about their submission to Christ just as much as the wife's submission to the husband. But here's the thing about submissiveness. Submissiveness is not just something for women. It's something for all Christians that we understand that we submit ourselves to a place where we are yielding under others. That's what this verse said, yielding to others, meaning we're willing to listen, meaning we're willing to be led. Independent spirit, a prideful spirit is not teachable, not willing to be led, not willing to be corrected, not willing to be anything like that. Don't, nobody's in your, nobody in your life can tell you anything because you know everything. And so, therefore, you are unsubmissive. And the Bible talks about that when we are unsubmissive to man, that God puts us in authority, whether that's police officers um, or whether that's a boss or whether that's a husband, or whether there are God-ordained authorities in our life that he puts in our lives that we are to submit underneath because they are God's authority, not meaning that they're always godly, but they're God's authority. And the Bible says when we get outside of that, not only are we outside of their protection and covering, guess what? You're also outside of God's protection. So that's why when the Bible says, children, honor your parents for it is right with you. It, it, is, it, is, it is the only command with a promise that you will live well. Come on, that's a good promise there. Live long and well. But here's the deal. When you don't, we say this all the time. As much as you honor your parents, you're honoring God. You can't say I'm honoring God but not honoring my parents. Because there's a command there for you to honor your parents. Because that, that is the God-given authority that you are to submit yourself under. Because that is who God put in your life. And you can't submit to them. You can't submit to him. If you can't submit to the person you can see, you can't submit to the person you can't see. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. <laughs> Good job. Good job. That's some great stuff. All right. So here's the deal. Imagine an umbrella. Unsubmitted people get outside of the umbrella. The umbrella is God's protection. We tell this to our kids all the time. I, tell, I sit down with my boys all the time, especially when they're being extremely disrespectful or disobedient to their mother or to me. We sit down with them, and I, and I will bust out an umbrella. Say, you see this umbrella? This is me and your mom. God puts you. Hold it. They, they're holding an umbrella, like in a house. Kind of weird, but they're holding an umbrella. I like, everybody, get underneath it. <laughs> so all three boys got to get close. Get under it. This is the umbrella. This is mom and dad. God's put you under me and your mother. And when you're not disobedient, when you're disobedient, guess what? And I yank the umbrella from him. And I go, you're in the rain all by yourself. You're in the rain all by yourself. 
because you want to do your own thing. So guess what? You have no protection. It hails, it storms, whatever. You're on your own, buddy, because you're not doing what mom and dad told you to do because we are your authority. And I say the same thing. Listen, for all of you that are here under Pastor Jamie and Michelle's leadership, it's not an authoritarian type of way. Nobody wants to rule and reign, but, but it's lovingly, gracingly putting underneath it. The Bible says to obey your leaders that you are submitted under in Hebrews chapter 12 because they look after your soul. I, that's a greater weight on me and Pastor Zach and Pastor Jamie and all of our elders. That's a greater weight on us because we have to look after your soul, but we can't look after your soul if you're not submitted under us for us to look after it. Y'all with me? I, I'm, I'm going to a bunch of different places, but I'm just talking about submission here. We got to be willing to submit underneath leadership and authority. and that, that goes with teachers for students and it just goes in all areas of our lives that we be submissive. Full of mercy. <laughs> mercy triumphs over judgment every time. We be people full of mercy, full of mercy, full of mercy. That, that, only, that doesn't only mean that we give forgiveness and, and give grace where grace is needed, but that also means we give mercy. Mercy, um, I got mercy this week. Um, I was telling Zach on the way here, I, I got pulled over. Um, coming from, yeah, don't, don't judge me, don't judge me. Yeah, like you never got pulled over. Uh, but I, we, Indiana, uh, just letting you know, in Chicago, they got tolls everywhere. And so I was pulled up at a toll booth and, and going to pay the toll and all that stuff. And I, find, I see, I see a, a, a police officer behind me. And I'm thinking, oh, he's got to pay the toll too. I don't know why he's in the cash booth, but he's got to pay the toll. And I pull out. And as soon as I pull out, there's some nice lights behind me. And I pull off to the side. And, and uh, a very lovely uh, state lady state trooper actually pulls over to my right side and says do you know how fast you're going i said no ma'am i was trying to get the toll and we're getting changed and all this stuff and which i wasn't lying i really was and she said well you were going 65 into 45 um i said oh <laughs> she said oh and by the way you were falling a little close to the car in front of you and then when you changed lanes you didn't use a signal and uh, you're in a construction zone i was like oh Hey, I go for the gold. If I'm going for it, I go all the way. <clears throat> and uh, and so she proceeds to start asking questions. Why, you know, where are we from? I'm not from Louisiana. And she starts asking questions about where we were. And so we talk, talk to her about this PH conference and our son. And I'm like, and he's got a disease. And, you know, I'm not I'm playing everything. Hey, you'll use whatever you got. <laughs> Joel, cough. Like, do something. <laughs> Joel's just, like, playing. Is there at the bench? She's like, yeah, right. Um, and, uh, no, but. We, you know, talk to her. We're, we're heading to Illinois. I'm going and preaching at a church. I mean, she keeps asking questions, so I'm just keep answering the questions. And so she goes, she's like, well, that's awesome. I need to see your license and registration. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And so, uh, so she grabs it. She goes back to the car. And no lie, probably takes the longest I've ever seen a cop take, 25 minutes. I'm like, I'm like sweating. You know, like when your dad says, like, go in your room. And you're like, you got to go wait in your room, and then your dad, like, forgets. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, you're like thinking about the spanking the whole time. That's what I felt like. That's what I felt like. I was like sitting in the car, and Lindsay's there, and all the boys, Dad, what's going on? Like, shut up. And so, uh, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, she comes back, and uh, she's, got a, she's got a ticket in her hand. And I'm like, man, this is going to be ridiculous. I have like four violations and all this stuff. And, so she comes back and she says, I need you to sign this. And so I, I sign it. And then she rips it off. She said, um, we have to give a ticket because of our state. But this is a warning. 
It's not an actual ticket. So have a blessed day and slow down. Mercy! <laughs> My grandmother used to do that whenever there was a cop behind her. She would go, Mercy! I'm like, that's too late. That's too late. But listen, I was busting out mercy. and uh, <clears throat> That's mercy. That's mercy. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. That's what mercy is. I deserved it. I deserved it completely. But I got mercy. Godly wisdom is full of it. Look at somebody next to you and go, you're full of it. <laughs> You've been wanting to say that for a long time. Hopefully, hopefully full of mercy hopefully that's what you're full of you're full of mercy it's full of mercy mercy listen mercy 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 may we be a people who are so merciful when people sin against us where we we want mercy we don't like giving it isn't that the truth you when you do something to somebody and the cops behind you, you're praying mercy. When somebody does something to you, you ain't crying mercy anymore. You're crying judgment. You don't get what you deserve. That's what you're crying. And as Christians, we need to be as Jesus was, full of mercy. Jesus was constantly ridiculed, constantly blasphemed. I mean, eventually to the cross. And still, he's constantly giving mercy, giving mercy. Giving mercy. That means we, we're, we're hard to offend. We're hard people to offend. You know why? Because we give so much mercy. Sad thing is a lot of you in here are not hard to offend. You're very easy to offend. It's because there's no mercy. It's all judgment. May we be a people. Jesus, may we be a people full of mercy. May we be a people full of mercy. Okay, next one. Impartial and sincere. That means being real, not fake. Man, that's... It, I don't know about you. If you've been here long enough, that's what I love about our church. We are just real folks, real people. Got real problems serving a real God who loves us despite those. And we're just, we're just very real. Maybe sometimes too real. But we're very real. And I, I hope you find encouragement in that. To know that your pastor got pulled over. I, would, I wouldn't have shared that story. But I blow it. I mess up. I offend my wife. I offend you. We do things. We're sinful people, and uh, we, need, we need a Savior every day, and we need to be people who are impartial and sincere to that. Peacemakers, <clears throat> people who are not bent on bringing, these are, are, these are people who are bent on bringing peace to this absolutely crazy world. I notice, notice it's, 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 it's bookend with peace. Peace loving on the front end, peacemaking on the back end. Did you notice that? Peace loving on the front end, peacemaking on the back end. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Number three, let's, let's talk about number three here and what godly wisdom is. It is intent on serving godly purposes. So it springs up from godly principles. It acts with godly motives. And its intent is on serving godly purposes Matthew 5 16 says in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven at some point in our life we've got to get past our own interests our own desires our own wants and we've got to start serving others on mission for what Jesus desired 
godly purposes. Wisdom is all about godly purposes. Remember, it's not only, wisdom is not only the disposition of our heart, transforming our heart, but it's also the deeds of our hands. Okay, so you can't say, I have wisdom and not have a changed heart with changed actions. Okay, changed actions means I love God, God loves me, I love people. That's, that's wisdom right there. Okay, that's wisdom. And let's wrap all this up. So how do we get it? How do we get it? How do we get the wisdom we, we need? James 1.5, simple, simple. Ask for it. Ask for it and it will be given to you. Ask for it. The wisest decision that, that you and I will ever make is asking God to come into our lives. Asking God to, to be our Lord and to be our Savior. Remember, knowledge comes from education. Wisdom comes from God. It comes from above. Wisdom comes from above. And I'm going to tell you right now, we need wisdom in our life. We need wisdom in our homes. We need wisdom in our work. We need wisdom in our schools. We need, we need wisdom in our church. Come on, how many know? Planting a third campus, we need some wisdom. We're trying to run these campuses, we need wisdom. We're trying to obey what God's called us to do, we need wisdom. You're trying to run your home, you need wisdom. If you've got kids, you really need wisdom. If you've got a wife, you need wisdom. If you don't have a wife, you still need a lot of wisdom. You need a husband, you need some wisdom. Okay, so we need wisdom. We need wisdom, and we need to ask God for it in humility, in humility, not in pride, in humility. God, we come before you. I don't know what to do. It's this simple. God, I don't know what to do. Help me. Help me. I don't know what to do with these kids. Help me. I don't know what to do with this situation. I don't know if I should take this job. Help me. Give me wisdom. Amen? Amen. Let me end tonight, and we can... You guys can come up and play. But I want to end today with uh, just praying this verse over you. This is the verses that I want to pray over you. It's Colossians 2, 2 through 3. It says this, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden are all the treasures of... Come on, what? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know where you find wisdom? Jesus. You know where you find your treasure? Jesus. You know where you find your joy? Jesus. You know where you find anything you need in life? Jesus. Jesus provides it. Jesus gives it. And he gives it freely to you and I. Thank God for that. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, I love you. God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for for giving us freely wisdom. You just ask us to ask you for it. Because you know, God, that it takes humility to ask for something. It takes humility. So, God, I pray that we would be a humble people. We would be a humble people. And that by the Holy Spirit, that you would give us the wisdom that we need in our daily life, God. That it would transform us. That it would be practical. God, that it would help us to create plans and strategies within our lives that it would be pure, that it would be full of mercy, full of mercy. God, that we would be uh, considerate of others, that we would elevate others above ourselves. We would elevate our wives and our husbands and our children above ourselves. God, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. God, and we trust you. God, we know that your ways are better than our ways. God, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we thank you for that. 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in him we can find all things, find life and peace and godliness, and we can find more than anything wisdom. May we be a people who ask for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.